Preston. We were just talking to him in the group chat. <laughs> Where are you, buddy? Uh, he's, you know, if he did show up, like, at, at the correct time, I think that that's our signal that Preston has been compromised. <laughs> actually, it, it's not actually Preston. It is, like, the CIA, like... The PSYOP like, Preston, yeah. yeah. It's actually just, like, a, like a CGI Zoom-generated version yeah, yeah. Of Preston. Like a virtual background, but a virtual. Virtual Preston. It's a boy you so closely with a secret that we know. Kira, your job is basically to have an opinion. Like, you yeah. know, we, need, we need you to have an opinion. And it's okay if it's like the stupidest, most belligerent, most pointless opinion. What's important is that. One group of us is right and the other group is wrong and you have to settle that. And I decide who. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we're back. Welcome to Critical Support, your source for heavily caveated, highly conditional, completely correct takes on basically anything. Today is a special episode because this is the tiebreaker episode. So for all of our dedicated uh, fan uh, parenthesis S, because there may or may not be more than one. All of our fans out there, you know, you've been listening, you've been hearing about these ties, these, these deeply troubling and concerning conflicts, trying to decide the correct perspective. As a good leftist, serious Marxist, what, what are you supposed to think about these issues? And sometimes, you know, they're just so complicated. We can't, our um, enlightened panel of experts is not able to decide the right issue. So we brought in uh, a special guest today, uh, Kira. Go ahead and say hi. Hey, I'm Kira. Yep. Who's going to help us break some of the these ties? So as always, uh, the whole crew is here. I'm Gabe. Uh, I'm Preston. Jacob. I'm Teresa. Yep. And uh, we're going to do the tiebreaker edition. Critical support tiebreaker edition. We're doing it. Okay. So Jacob. What is the first topic on the list? Okay, yeah. So we are going to have, this is going to be a real throwback um, back to uh, the ancient days of 2018 when we debated anarcho-primitivism. Oh. Uh, And so I'm not entirely sure how we want to do this, whether we want to, like, give a a for and against – and I should say, uh, we're going to be timing ourselves with a, a, a limit of 12 minutes for uh, all of these segments. So if you, if you, the listener here, hear a timer go off, that's, that's what it is to keep ourselves from, you know, talking for 40 odd minutes about uh, <laughs> the stimulus package again. <laughs> you know, actually something just came up, guys. I think I, I think I got to go. <laughs> Anyways. Does anyone have a opening opening argument for or against anarcho-primitivists? Or we can oh, well, veto it and move on. Kira, are you familiar with um, anarcho-primitivism? I mean, it seems like the people who are like, we should have never developed agriculture. Yeah. they're anarchists. Yeah. Right. Yeah, okay. anarchists okay. want to return uh, to a pre-industrial uh, or, or even a pre-civilization humanity where we're yeah. basically hunter gatherers so i mean i i'll go I'll, I'll make the case as i did before that that anarcho-primitivists um 
there's a, certainly a large percent of it is like uh, white people who want to cosplay Native Americans. And I think it, it just to a large degree revolves around you basically you come up against this fact, which is that non-industrial society or a non-agricultural society even cannot support anywhere close to the number of living humans that are on earth right now. So to be a proponent of this ideology means you're a proponent of a drastically reduced number of humans. And even if you don't believe that we should actively kill all these people or that we should have some kind of plague that kills all of these people, you're still just like, what do you do with everyone? You know, what happens to everyone? I mean, I guess I just don't, I don't support an ideology that wants to kill, you know, 5 billion people. Uh, and have some kind of system for who gets to live and who gets to die. And I also don't support an ideology that wants to... Oh, yeah. Also, I just think that the idea of uh, some theoretical time in the future when there's less people just isn't really like a strong basis to think about a political framework. And that's my condensed pitch for why anarcho-primitivism is bad. And also, you're a city boy, and you you just love you love being. In oh the yeah, cities. I'm also allergic to everything, so <laughs> I mean, I don't really do nature. Okay, so is that is that your? I mean, that's my that's my that's my elevator pitch. Right. Okay. So the thing is, we're not, short, you know, we're not discussing like whether anarcho-primitivism is good or bad. We're discussing whether we should extend our critical support to anarcho-primitivism. Critical support, right? Yeah. So that's and that's my argument. I was like. This anarcho-primitivists make a number of correct observations about the world and about the situation that we find ourselves in, in industrial capitalism, and some of the conclusions that they draw are useful about, you know, the actual implications of industrial development and where, like, how tied up fossil fuel extraction and sort of exploitation of um, uh, the environment is with all of that and how long-term it's ultimately not sustainable. And so... That doesn't mean that you, that crit, so critical support for anarcho-primitivism does not entail just sort of wiping it all away and trying to kill off 5 billion people. Um, it's just noting that in the world we want to construct will not be as technologically or industrially intensive as the world that we currently live in. And so how we get there is kind of a different question. And obviously, like, I, I, I don't think this is like the first, like our first task is not to destroy industry. But I think that a lot of socialists get caught up in the, you know, sort of heady, uh, luxury, uh, fully automated. Fully automated luxury gay yeah. space communism. Yeah. And I, I just, I think that that needs to be pushed back against. And so, yeah, critical support for anarcho-primitivists. Now, I think when we were taking this vote, I, I forget how I voted you voted um, with me because Teresa voted with Gabe, like always. No, okay, I don't think like, that's really, mom. It's the other way around. I really? voted. Okay. Yeah. Huh. And Gabe and uh, Preston voted the same way. Okay. There will be a day where Teresa and I vote together, but it's not happened yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, no, to sort of, you know, add a wrinkle on, onto Jacob's thing, just in the interest of, you know, fleshing out all the points before our, our judge here. You know, uh, I think another element of critical support is like you might not support their full program or their full analysis, but they're moving in the correct direction, right? 
So, you know, critical support for Bernie Sanders is absolutely a thing, which is like, yeah, he's pushing a social democratic program, which is not 100% of what's needed. But, you know, generally his approach of like wanting to build a movement is where we want to go. And I think maybe that's another argument where like, well, I don't know if anarcho-primitivists really know how to interact and, you know, build their political program because kind of so far there hasn't really been an anarcho-primitivist movement, right? Like the political approach is, you know, somewhere. Well, they're in Eugene, Washington and in Olympia or Eugene, Oregon. There's a few of them. Or they're Ted Kaczynski. People in a tree set and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, there, there yeah, are so real they, groups of them. I mean, I would not call it a mass movement, but they're real. But like their political approach is obviously, you know, a little bit more, um, uh, you know, let's go do permaculture in the woods and less like we need to go out and address, you know, take on take on capital or the other way around where they're like so focused on it that they're like, all right, let's just like go full like well, let's go bomb the federal building in Oklahoma City. Yes. Yeah, I mean, like well, what, what, what they actually did, which was firebomb a ski lodge in Colorado. Oh, man, there you go. <laughs> well, I mean, was it like Aspen or something? Uh, it, it was somewhere around there. Uh, I don't okay. Well, well, anyway. <laughs> See, I don't love Aspen, which makes me kind of like them. <laughs> but at the same time, I'm like, I don't want to say that I really support that. Yeah. So, you know, that's another wrinkle to sort of add onto the, onto the critical support. Um, the analysis might be good, but what do you think of the direction? I think, Teresa, maybe if you have a bit, and then we'll uh, kick it over to Kira to ask some questions. I had to, I had to step out uh, briefly, so I missed part of what Jacob was saying. But, um, yeah, I, I, I remember distinctly uh, falling in line with Jacob's argument, um, and I... I agree. I think we will need to um, massively like restructure society so we're consuming a lot less if we are going to survive as a species. So um, certainly uh, I wouldn't refer to myself as an anarcho-primitivist, but I do think there's some, uh, some elements of wisdom in some, some of what they're talking about. Oh shit, Kira broke out a pen. We got some pen and paper. All right, Kira, do you want to yeah. unmute and uh, you know, ask some questions, interrogate this a little bit? Yeah, I would like to, for the pro camp, I would like to ask um, what analysis specifically um, is useful from the anarcho-primitivist school besides just that we're using too many resources? Um, I mean, I think you can look at the uh, the way that class society arises with with the origin of uh, large-scale civilization and that's that's sort of a that that's a core anarcho-primitivist thing is like civil uh, sort of anti-civilizational uh types of ideas and they take that in some some pretty not great directions um there's a, a an author something jensen that I, I i read back you know years ago and then came across more recently um and he's uh, he's more and more, I mean, I, I think some of these people are sliding into eco-fascism as much as that is a massively overused term and basically synonymous with like neoliberalism. But yeah, I, I think it, what they're saying holds up, holds up historically about the way that, you know, everything that we don't like about the world, everything that is bad about the world uh, arose with large scale developed, developed in quotation marks society. Did, did anarcho-primitivists really develop those ideas like i'm pretty sure angles is writing a, a lot of that stuff you know 
Uh, to some extent, but, uh, but a lot of the anarcho-primitivist stuff is sort of correcting the record on things that Marx and Engels said about just the anth- like more recent anthropological uh, data. Yeah, you got to so, remember that Marx and Engels were like 19th century white guys. And so, you know, they're right there in that thick of like, all the science we do is peak science. And it's like, well, no, actually everything since then has sort of shown. Well, well, sure. That, I mean, there's, I guess there's, to me, there's a little bit, it's one thing to come up with the theories and actually like lay down the fundamentals. It's another just to update them. I mean, I guess they're, maybe they're more interested in looking at the effects of industry and civilization. So they're going to be more active about updating angles with newest archaeological information but i want to hear from kira um yeah i have another question for everybody have you ever shit in the woods <laughs> yeah it sucks yeah and it's very nice what it, I, I don't <laughs> are you kidding me it's very nice you know i okay, there, okay there's there's a huge difference between shitting in like a hole that you dug and shitting in like a nicely constructed outhouse Oh, but I don't think anarcho-primitivists no would, would have an outhouse. No fucking way. Why not? You can you can build an outhouse out of, like, sticks. It's not complicated. Hmm. But wouldn't you have to be, like, super nomadic? No. To survive in hunter-gatherer society? Well, and that's a, that's a big misunderstanding, is a lot of yeah. people think that anarcho-primitivism implies a hunter-gatherer lifestyle, and actually small-scale agriculture uh, is perfectly and 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 is used by you know a lot of neolithic cultures as well yeah right. and i think there's a certain serenity sometimes to shit in the woods like it's not like an all-the-time activity that i'd like to commit to but there's a certain like wow it's you know it's the morning it's misty and i'm just gonna you know be in nature for a little bit and that's leaves that's just don't nice. do it for me i mean like toilet paper is nice bidet is nicer Leaves are gross. Damn, imagine no toilet paper. Yeah. <sighs> oh, well, uh, that is, we're living that is it. The timer. So <laughs> I feel like... Oh, shit. Not, I, don't, I don't feel like I defended my position very well at all, frankly. No, no, I think you did okay. It was pretty good. Uh, Kira, do you have any other questions? Do you have maybe a question for the no camp? Uh, sort of. Or just whatever you think about it. Yeah. I think that um, it's pretty dumb, and I kind of think it's really... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I support you. What? Like what? Is. Okay, so like, are you gonna have to stop progress when it happens? Like, because a surplus is like the what like really is behind the rise of class society, right? So like, say you're like working on your agriculture and you like domesticate some shit and get better seeds the next harvest, and then you plant them and then they're better, and then you have a surplus. Then what do you do? They don't have any idea. They don't have any. It's like the whole definition of being like a primitive anarchist or whatever the fuck it's called is what you're not doing, not what you are doing. So like, what the fuck do you do when you get a surplus? There's no like way forward at all for how to organize a society beyond just like not having industry and classes. So, and that, that alone, alone, yeah, not enough for me. The answer is you just chill out, but (laughs) just like everyone just took a bong rip, man, you know, (laughs) Yeah. No, you smoke it. That's what you do with the surplus. Your surplus, you, just you smoke it. <laughs> you just anyhow stuff it in the pipe and smoke it. That seemed like a pretty a pretty firm no from Kira. Is that and that's that's your final thought? That's correct. Okay, so that is that is a no. Critical. The podcast has spoken, dear well, listeners. Now. Wow.
Dear listeners, you cannot be an anarcho-primitivist or critically support them. Or like anarcho-primitivists have nice ideas, but they need to get their politics together. Wow. That's the that's the that's the that's the most you can you're allowed to say about them. Well, once again, I find myself in a principled minority. So. <laughs> <laughs> yep. You're the real critical support podcaster. We're just we're sellouts. <laughs> Yeah, you're a criticalist uh, supportist. The criticalist. You guys have sold out to um to uh big uh big toilet, big technology. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there. Um anyways, so our next our next topic that we came to a tie on also uh some time ago now is uh this this one does a couple different ways to think about it, either scientific socialism or Marxism as a science or Thinking, insisting that socialism is scientific or can be scientific. There's a couple different valences on it, but yeah. I I just want to... Well, um, Teresa, intro it. This was uh, what I, a topic I introduced, and I believe the way I formulated it was different than that. I think I, the term, I think it's specifically the term scientific socialism. Should we, should we use the term scientific socialism as Marxists, as socialists? Um, and my, yeah, I think that's what we came to a tie on. Oh, sorry. Yeah, and my position was that I think Gabe and I. This was a Gabe and I like versus um, Jacob and Preston split, um, if I'm not mistaken. But I, my position was we should retire the term uh, because it's uh, sort of confusing and jargony and. So, in my view, one of the terms that we use that if we use it outside of our own like little milieu, um, it just sounds weird to people. Yeah. So my, my defense of the term is that I, I, I appreciate the concerns that, um, it's not in the most accessible term and it needs to be, uh, it needs to be used with some explanation. It's not something to just sort of throw out and expect people to know what you're talking about. Um, but I, I do think that it is, it, we should not retire it completely. You know, it, it's a lot like dictatorship of the proletariat where like it gets at something really important and it's an important piece of theory, but it's not a term you want to use with people who are not like already committed socialists or aren't like aren't engaged with the issues that it addresses. So like the whole idea of scientific socialism is an approach to socialism that is not utopian, that is actually concerned with, you know, the, with historical materialism, with the, with the historical development of the means of production over time and sort of putting scientific socialism on putting socialism on that basis, taking it away from this utopian, you know, we just want to create this sort of perfect world type of type of idea. And I think that's, that's important. And I think that the idea of like a scientific approach to socialism does ultimately hold up in terms of how historical materialism is like a way of understanding the world and a theory of understanding the world. But yeah, critical support. It's not, you know, it's a term that has to be used sparingly. Preston, go ahead. You're, you look like you're trying to say something. Oh, no, I was saying, like, uh, as someone who was in favor of the term, I think Gabe should go now to sort of, like, oh. alternate. Gosh, I haven't thought about this in a while. Anarcho-primitivism definitely uh, bothers me a lot more than scientific socialism, but I think it's, I don't think it's entirely, I don't think it's entirely wrong, and I think there was a lot of, like, historical meaning to it, but a lot of that is kind of what we mentioned earlier with, with Marx and Engels really seeing 
Marxism, seeing socialism as a science in the very modernist sense of what a science is, which is like a empirical understanding of everything and seeing history and human society uh, as being defined by laws, which are always applicable. And I think, you know, I call myself a postmodernist, which probably got a lot of hate um, because I don't, I don't believe that there's really laws that dictate uh, human society. Although I think there's like very large trends and you can call them laws if that helps you understand it better. Um, but to me, I think it's, it's just, I just don't think st- uh, studying human nature is really, uh, or, or human society is really a science like that, at least in the same sense that something like chemistry or physics would be called a science. I wish I had right. something funny to say, but that's just, that's just how I see it. Well, yeah, and that's kind of where, like, my, you know, I was very much on the fence on this topic. Oh, yeah, you um, were. And I was like, ah, do, do I think it's out? Because you're usually so decisive and taking a firm stand on things. It's just, I'm, yes. I'm the most, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, you know, I'm just the middle ground weasel on this podcast. Um, Damn. But, just on the podcast. Oh, oh, <laughs> ouch. Wow. Oh, true, but ouch. <laughs> Um, but anyway, um, yeah, and that's, but that is kind of where I, you know, that's what pushed me to to support, uh, the term scientific socialism, because, um, it was just sort of, you know, analyzing term science, like, what does that mean? That obviously means something very different. So, yeah, it's because the term scientific has changed, right? And the question is, like, is it worth trying to change it back or defend it? Because, like, um, the term scientific for us now means is a very quantitative thing or, or, you know, you know, math, chemistry, physics, you know, very much numbers and things. Uh, but the thing is like science still, apply, I mean, social sciences, they still have the word science in them and they are still doing the same essential process where it's like, you know, gathering data, interpreting it, trying to be rigorous about it. And then, uh, you know, applying it to, you know, whatever field uh, is, is being done about it. You know, I think in our activism, we wouldn't say we're doing that kind of rigorous science, but we are still doing a scientific approach. We are still gathering data in a way, uh, you know, we're all going out into the field, we're talking to working people, and we're making inferences and getting, trying to get a lay of what's going on in society, right? And we, and we have processes and theories that we use combined with our data in order to go forward. Uh, which is different than you see, you know, like whenever you're talking to like a Warren progressive or something when they're like, oh, you know, look at all these policies that we can implement and then society will just work. And it's like, well, no, you, you haven't even talked about like, you know, what is class society, the interests that will, you know, oppose you, political economy and all these things. Right. And so from a process perspective, like it is a scientific thing. And I think the I, I think the term science itself has become warped by capitalism. Right. Like we've we've lionized, you know, STEM. Right. Like, oh, these are the great only legitimate sciences. And then like, you know, like archaeology and anthropology and all these other sciences have been sort of devalorized or, you know, sort of made to be like trash because they're not useful under capitalism. Right. Um, so, you know, our modern conception of science is a very, like, capitalist thing. And so, you know, by saying scientific socialism, that it sort of opens the door to both, you know, our, what we mean, you know, as opposed to the utopian socialism, but also what we mean as opposed to science under capitalism. 
Um, and so from that perspective, I thought it was worth uh, keeping around as a term, even if, you know, all the caveats that were, were said are totally true. So um, that's why I think we should keep it around. Yeah, I guess the um, just I guess basically like the basic thing for me is it's, it's among a particular set of terms that are like very jargony and kind of anachronistic and confusing and kind of when we throw them around outside of our specific activist uh, con- context, which which we do, we can say we're not we're not going to do that, or <laughs> but we do it. Um, that it just comes it it makes it makes like Trotskyists sound kind of culty, <laughs> I think, and so that that's like my main objection. Yeah, that's actually, that was going to be my, my first question for the people who are, um, who want to ban or retire, uh, the term, um, is that like, should we retire all of the other phrases that only make sense in like a group of uh, like a socialist context or like a branch meeting or something like that? Like, because there are several other phrases that we wouldn't say um, who are Marxists and like know what the term means? Like, Kira, so- we we lost like about half of your your sentence there. Um, okay, we're saying there's there's a couple other terms that we wouldn't say outside of a branch meeting. Right. Yeah. So like, if that's going to be the argument that like these this might be like a strange phrase that would like turn people off to like becoming a socialist or a Trotskyist specifically, like, do all of those other phrases need to go as well? Well, I think a poll of society at large and decide which phrases people think are cool. And if people don't think they're cool, then we just won't use them because we know. (laughs) I think, I think that's a part of it. I think it's, it's one, it's, it's wrong, which is the main thing, but also it being jargony and confusing just is another thing on, that's the initial thing that makes me question it is that it's, I hear that and I'm kind of like, Oh, okay. Scientific, interesting. And then I, when I like to me, when I look into it, I, I also, I see that it's wrong. And then that's the main reason to get rid of it, but it's not, it's not bad to use, to use jargon. It's, it's I don't think it's bad wrong. to use wrong jargon, but it is, um, this, this is where Gabe is a postmodernist and the rest of us are basically not because we're Marxists. So <laughs> now I, 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 <laughs> <laughs> Gabe is not a postmodernist. That well, is, I uh, am. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to die on this stupid, stupid hill that may or may not exist. There are no hills, and death is fake. <laughs> death is an illusion. Oh my God. So our pants. I don't know how this is consistent with your por- porno socialist caucus, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> I. I don't remember what I was going to say anymore. So, Damn. yeah. Um, that one up. I just, yeah, I disagree with, with Gabe saying that the jargon is wrong. So yeah, I think good science knows and admits that like not everything is applicable to laws. Like they do that in fucking physics didn't they? when they had like normal physics and then they had like quantum physics and they were like, actually all the shit is different than these laws said it was. So I think good, any good science knows that like no law is absolute and just tries to figure out what is correct and that's what like drew me to socialism in the first place because like any kind of bourgeois analysis just tries to like justify the status quo 
or like explain what is quantitative easing and not like why do we need to print out money um money so, go burn. Yeah. so and i think like uh, science to me is like what preston said like testing things out and based on your results um making a decision on like how to proceed and like we i think that's like an important way to um like understand what we do as active socialists yeah so i i think that Teresa and gabe have different fundamentally different reasons for, for opposing this, or rather gave us an extra reason that I, I don't hear from Teresa. But we did just hit the 12-minute mark. So do we feel there are other major things we should con- or consider? Or I would be we- interested in hearing what Teresa thinks about the other terms that are, like, alienating. Oh, yeah. Weird. Yeah, I mean, I, in answer to that question, I do think there are certain terms that we um, could probably retire. <laughs> um but I'm not, I don't feel as strongly per se, because often the most jargony terms, the most annoying terms are just used internally. But yeah, I don't know. I can't think of anything off the top of my head that I, uh, right now that I would say we need to get rid of that, that term. Um, so yeah. After the ride back from the Bernie rally with Jacob and Teresa, I would say labor power should be... <laughs> <laughs> That's, that's an important one. Um, yeah, I, I definitely offer my critical support to using the phrase scientific socialism. Boo. That's a scam <laughs> opinion. <laughs> wait. So wait, you're going to call bad opinions scab opinions? This is, yeah, this, I, I feel like this is just becoming a generic derogatory for Gabe. <laughs> I support that. Okay, wait, wait, okay, hold on. So the tie, the tie has been resolved. Uh, we now extend our, our critical support to the term scientific socialism. Uh, use it sparingly, when appropriate, when it will communicate what you want it to communicate. And uh, yeah, you can take your postmodernism and shove it up your butt. I don't care. <laughs> so, our next, anyhow. Uh, so our next, our next topic just going down the list is dogs. This is the that yeah we we didn't we never aired that, that. Yeah, we never we that that one was basically made redundant. So we're just going to skip that one and move right on to the intensely condition. Con, what's the term? Um, contentious. Contentious topic <laughs> of white people with dreads. <laughs> and I, I I don't yeah I I think we we've been spending a bit too much time on. Um, sort of laying out the preliminary uh, arguments. So, uh, yeah, if we could maybe make this a little briefer. Uh, well, Akira, do you have a thought on why people have threads? No. Good. <laughs> yes, I agree. <laughs> now, how now about how you can critically why? support that? So, our, uh, okay, so Akira, I get the impulse, <laughs> but do you think there is anything problematic about the way that white people with threads is, like, weaponized by the right? And the way that it is used as this trope of like stupid woke white people with dreads like this stuff. And it's like, reality is it's just a hairstyle. And it's found, it is historically found in cultures around the world. And it's, yeah. This is true. It's like, it is not specific to, uh, it has certain connotations. It's certainly easier uh, in some hair types than others, but it's, it, yeah. White people with dreads is a historical phenomenon that goes back to ancient times. Uh, yeah, absolutely not. So one, if I stopped my life around every 
like if I didn't do things because it was a white ring, right wing trope, my entire life would be a fucking joke. First of all, <laughs> <laughs> everything I do falls into things that they make fun of. Re- literally, I in yep. an anthropology and political science degree, and I cannot get a job. Imagine that. Um, anyway, so that's that's number one. Number two. I don't care how historically it's been found in white people. Fucking to this day, young black kids are getting their heads forcibly shaved in school because they have dreads. So you cannot tell me that it's just a hairstyle. It is absolutely inextricably in America for sure tied to black people and the shitty treatment that black people have received over having their hair in dreads. Fucking one time I was watching... E! Entertainment Channel, and Joan Rivers was saying about freaking Zendaya having wearing dreads to, like, an awards show, and she was just, like, shitting on it and saying she looks like she smells like patchouli oil. So, like, yeah, that shit's fucked, and it happens all the time, and, like, yeah, I don't care if people did have their hair in dreads. Like, if I have a rough night of sex, my hair is going to be in dreads, too, but I'm not going to wear it out of the fucking house. <laughs> Good for you. Good for you. It's not just a hairstyle. Like, people, like, yeah, people have literally, little boys at school have been forced to, like, have a teacher shave their head because they were wearing dreads. Um, so, yeah. But why does that make it a problem for white people to also have dreads? Yeah. Like, you can, like, you can contextualize it within American society, and that can all be true. But why does that specifically make it a problem? Well, it's well, because I'm- people believe that their, that their culture is being like taken is being you know used by okay like most of the time when white people are wearing dreads they're not hearkening back to their norwegian heritage because they like have some great respect to vikings they're like it's like rastafarian it's like is that a problem part of using drugs yeah, because that's literally theft from black culture why can't, can't no. white people be rastafarian yeah but they don't need to dread their hair. rastafarianism as a religion is actually like specifically based around being like a black descendant of like from Ethiopia and from Africa and based around worshiping a specific king of Ethiopia. Okay. Ali Selassie. Uh, can I make a, a counterpoint? I, I specifically looked into this. I did some research basically after this because I was curious, like, am I just really out of touch by, by thinking that it's not a big deal and it doesn't, uh, constitute cultural appropriation in most instances. And so I did some research and I ended up the best source that I could find was a Twitter, uh, argument about it. And like, that's this, this is you're on very firm footing right now. No, it was, it was some media person, prominent Twitter person. She posed it as a, like a debate basically. And like, Overwhelmingly, uh, most people that responded, most of whom were black, uh, African American, or uh, other diasporic peoples, um, and I would say it was about two thirds. Like that's fine. Oh, you know what it was? It was a response to a video in which a young African American like probably high school age, um, is, is upset by, uh, like a classmate or somebody having dreads and she kind of harasses them a little bit and, um, and it's on caught on video. And then, so 
she posted the, this Twitter person posted it up there and like conducted a debate. And it was like overwhelming. It was not unanimous, but it was overwhelmingly people were like, it's totally fine. Why are people tripping? Well, one, we don't base all of our opinions on opinion polls. And two, I think there's a difference between saying like, were I am personally going to go fight people who I see uh, with white dreads and saying like, like just because I'm not going to go like chase someone down and argue with them or punch them in the face. That doesn't mean I support it either. That doesn't mean I critically support it either. Just because it's like, yeah, I'm not, if I see someone walking down the street with, with who's white with dreads, I'm not going to run after them and start arguing with them. But I'm also not going to say that I extend my critical support to, to that lifestyle choice. I just want to be clear. It, it turned into a debate about whether or not it's okay for white people to have dreads or whether that's cultural appropriation. It wasn't a debate like, oh, should she have harassed him or not? <laughs> just wanted to make that clarification. Okay, well, it seems like we've kind of smoked out the whole debate. We had the exact same conversation we had before. <laughs> Definitely the same. Um, uh, I think everyone is still in the same votes. You know, this was the one where me and Gabe voted together because we're just like uppity young people mad at it, I guess, or, or something. Yeah, because um, we're entitled so young you, people. I mean, yeah, I, I can't. We, do we got Preston, we got too many participation trophies probably. <laughs> yeah, you guys are just doing this like woke uh, virtue signaling thing that um, mm. as, as, as a working class person. Oh I, my God. No <laughs> patience for that. <laughs> Jacob, I will bike to your house and give you COVID, okay? <laughs> Do you have it like in a vial somewhere, Preston? I wait. I mean, in this, in this very specific situation, I wish. Are you. <laughs> Are, 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 are you the one that the CIA gave it to to go release in China? <laughs> Speaking of racism. Oh. <laughs> oh, hello. So because he's Asian. <laughs> I mean, that's why you're saying that. Huh? You did say that you were going to give Jacob COVID. So anyway. I think, yeah, I think Preston, that was a hate crime against yourself, I think. Yeah. <laughs> You know me, brutal, you know, wishy-washy middle positions and brutal self-owns. You know, that's my brand. So, uh, Kira, what do you, what do you think? Yeah, I think? With my final vote of fuck no, I will never support that bullshit, I would just like to add that Rachel, the owner of Rachel's Ginger Beer, is a white lady with dreads. Boom. It is one of the stronger arguments against it I've heard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not changing my vote. It's a very good support, but yeah, y'all have a point. Anyways, reactionaries wow. are reactionary no matter their hairstyle, but like sometimes they correlate. We, we finished under time on that one. Wow. Incredible. Wow. Good job. Yeah. Good job us. Um, so yeah, the next, the next, there's, there's, there's three more. Um, the next one's the stimulus package. This is kind of come and gone, so I don't know if we really want to talk about it. Yeah, no, skip Let's skip it. Let's go to parking. <laughs> parking tickets. Oh, God. Okay. Yeah, the next one is parking tickets. So, so me and Teresa decided that uh, Jacob and Preston are cops because they support parking. <laughs> um, and 
And we just we, call we them think, stark raving anarchists, you know? You guys are lawless anarchists who will never submit to the discipline of, a, uh, of, a, of the dictatorship of the proletariat. <laughs> if the dictatorship of the proletariat wants to give me a parking ticket, I'll fucking Kronstadt them any day. <laughs> Wait, so that's, that's when they kill you, right? The- I'll die. I'll die before I before I fucking get a parking ticket. <laughs> okay, I am starting the timer. The question before us is parking tickets, critical support or not? I don't support cops, so <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <sighs> okay, so I feel like as the transportation person, I need to come forward and say, okay. The thing is, when we plan our infrastructure, we expect it needs to be used within certain bounds. Now, do I support the current uh, penalty system, incarceration system, fine system? Absolutely not. It's absolutely terrible. Uh, you know, working people, poor people are absolutely victimized by, you know, you know petty, petty civil infractions like, you know, parking tickets, uh, moving violations, you know, boots on your car. That's all crap. And I also even can see that, like, people need to drive under our current transportation system because that's just the way it was designed. That's what we've inherited. It'd be ahistorical to think otherwise. But the fact is there are times when we're like, no, you can't just park in the middle of the bus lane. That's impeding, you know, hundreds of people from getting to work on time. No, you can't just park where we've striped you not to park just because you own a Porsche. Um, we, you know, we need you to, you know, park where people are supposed to park. And so, and given that we don't think, you know, just unmediated street justice of like, well, if you park in a place you're not supposed to, we can key your car. Uh, we don't really support that because that gets a little bit unruly and wild. Uh, although we did consider it. Um, I think I might've said I supported that. I I would. Um, yeah. But, you know, we think it is, like, societally and socially important that we, you know, enforce how we collectively decide to use our infrastructure. And from that perspective, and from that perspective, even under socialism, there will need to be some way to enforce traffic laws, including what you could call a parking ticket, even if the enforcement is completely different, like you have to go to a class or you have to, you know, otherwise be educated about what you've done. And so we think it's important, and yeah. So is the we you and Jacob, then, that you're using? But who's the we? I, I think it's we, in the, like, it, it would be a Democrat. Uh, well, I'm obviously arguing our position, so me, so Jacob and me, but, like, also, like, I think as a broader democratic society, um, if we decide that we need to make sure that like the bus lane is open for buses, then that also implies that we need to provide a way to make sure people know that the bus lane is for buses. Like people aren't going to get it hundred percent right the first time. Um, and the question is to do that, you have to do something that looks like a parking ticket. It doesn't mean it is, it would work at all. Like it works now, but it looks like a parking ticket. And so from that perspective, we think it's important. Yeah, I, I guess <laughs> it just it's throwing me off that you're using the term we because it's like this is not what I uh it makes it feel like you're speaking for uh us in the podcast, which was okay, clearly maybe, the reason if if we the transportation planning world works better for you, we'll do that. Fine. Yeah. That works better. 
<laughs> and it's like part of the the key point is right at the end there of like we need parking tickets in some form not you know all, all you know the the conclusion we reached at the end of our last conversation about this was Gabe and Teresa basically insisting that parking tickets have some immutable characteristic that if you changed it would make them not parking tickets and we and I and, and I just said what you're describing is not no parking tickets it is different parking tickets you're describing a different method of enforcement for parking and other you know traffic violations that that is still ultimately parking tickets it, 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 it is still a ticketing system and what you do with that and what the punishment is for that is ultimately not important to critical support for parking tickets Jacob, you sound like the city council um, using law to cancel the tax Amazon meetings with that answer. Whoa. <laughs> See? Whoa. See? Whoa. Whoa, shots fired. Yes. Look out of that. What okay. do you mean? Here's, here's what I have to say. First of all, Teresa, I agree. I have we in quotes with a question mark. Yeah. Um. Yeah, okay, so we have a problem, right? Somebody's parking where they're not supposed to be parking. What is the solution? Or what could be the cause of this? One, they're an asshole and they're lazy. I mean, there's a lot of other cases, but these are, let's focus on the mains. They're an asshole and they're lazy, like Preston's purported Porsche person parking in the striped area. Um, or two, they had nowhere else to park. To me, this problem is one of... Not people being shitty, but of our infrastructure being shitty, and there literally is not enough place to put enough places to put cars. Okay, what happens if the car is in the bus lane? You say, fucking tow it. Yeah. You need to get it out of there anyway. Giving that person a ticket does not solve that problem. So if you really want to get to the root cause of it, we need to talk about like parking garages or like some better way to park cars because like where around where I live. Cars park, like, fucking facing the same way, like, up on the sidewalk. Like, because there's a lot of people who live around here, and there's no parking anywhere. And a lot of people have cars to get to their jobs. So, like, yeah, if you really want to solve that problem, then you should offer critical support to building parking lots, not to parking. Yes. Well, uh, I, I cannot find it in my constitution to ever support the construction of a parking lot. But um, <laughs> I do agree that we need to have you know, figure out ways to mitigate cars. Like, I mean, but the thing is, this extended to bikes, too. Like, what do we do about, like, you know, like any really personal vehicle, right, being parked in a place where it shouldn't be? Okay, you can't, a bike, if a bike is, like, left in the middle of the road, fucking pick it up and throw it out of the road. If it's, like, chained up somewhere that's truly bad, like, I know you're technically not supposed to chain your bike up to certain signs, but if it's somewhere that's truly, truly bad, then someone should fucking, like, steal your tires, dude. No. I don't care. I just don't care. There's not a good comparison with bikes. It, it's, it's pointless to try to include that in the conversation. Okay, but okay. I think what Preston was trying to say is you have a personal thing and somebody didn't put it in the right place to the point where it's impeding others, so what do you do with it? And it's like, I think that goes back down to what I said. Either one, that person's an asshole, and if it's really impeding it, then you get out the bolt cutters and move it. Or two, there, should, there isn't enough places for them to put it where it wouldn't be in the way, and so those should be constructed. But in the meantime... Assuming it's not, assuming the vehicle is not uh, in a in a place where it makes sense to allocate the resources to tow it, um, and it's like if even even if that even if that parking ticket just says 
by the way, please don't park here. This is not a good spot to park. That is still a parking ticket. Even if no, I think fundamentally that's oh. not a parking ticket anymore. If it's if it's just like a, st- a sternly worded note, that's not a that's no longer a parking. Yeah, ticket. we need to define the terms here, folks. We need to define the terms. What is a ticket? <laughs> so right, we were what trying to say that if if you're not making somebody pay a fine, then it's not a ticket. Or have some kind of punishment. You were arguing last time that it, uh, it could still be a ticket uh, if it was like, if you, you know, you get a certain number of warnings and then you have to attend a class on how to properly park your car or some shit like that. I think yeah. a, ticket, a ticket is any, any kind of repercussions from that, any kind of punishment or thing you have to do. Yeah. There's, yeah. There should be repercussions for leaving your car somewhere you're not supposed to leave your car. And obviously we need to design a system that makes that, not as much of a problem but i think it's just it's just difficult because we're saying there should be repercussions so does that mean towing someone's car is a ticket it can i see see like that's pretty loose because to me okay so to me a ticket is a financial penalty written on a piece of paper that's left on your car or Or handed to you by a cop to you yeah in some in some sort of like fashion that makes it a ticket i mean i guess theoretically in the future they'll just automatically deduct it from your bank account or something i, I don't know but your oxygen tank <laughs> right no listen part of what created the impasse between uh the two respective camps on this issue is that we were fundamentally basically so gabe and myself were, were talking about primarily or at least i was primarily talking about the way Parking tickets and moving violations function now and the way they have historically functioned, whereas Preston and uh, Jacob were insisting on thinking about how they could be under socialism primarily. And and like, so that impasse is is kind of what what created this controversy, basically. So you can choose which which way you want to um, think about it and analyze it, but like, yeah, thinking about it, the past and current state of the way parking tickets and moving violations operate, they are deeply, expo- they are explicitly and deeply exploitative of the working class. They are racist. <laughs> um, the, fundamentally, like, just the, like the example that came to mind is Ferguson and like around shortly after, you know, the protests there. Um, there was an investigation into the way ticketing had been going on, and it was completely obvious that it was a revenue-generating process for the local law enforcement. And that's the way they operate. Uh, that's the way tickets for parking or moving violations operate across the country. Um, so I, I, that, this is why we were like, Dave and I were like, yeah, Jacob and Preston are cops. <laughs> <laughs> wait, 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 but okay. The thing is, Jacob and I do not, literally do not disagree with a single word you said. That was all 100% true. We completely acknowledge that that is a thing. The problem is, in some future transportation system that is democratically decided upon and voted upon, we also need to enforce how it's used. Because, like, the, the truth of the matter is, like, not 100% of people will know the rules. Not 100% of people will understand why they're important. I mean, you're, you're looking outside right now and people aren't wearing masks. And that's just because people like, because under capitalism and yeah, there, there's all these things, but like we need in order to have 
if we vote to say this is a bus lane, then we need to have a way to Democrat to enforce the Democratic decision that we have come to. Now, it's not going to be a financial penalty. It's not going to be something that impoverishes working people, but it should be people should need to learn. People should should need to be educated about that. And yes, we can absolutely do everything we can, you know, in schools to make sure that people know the laws. We should absolutely tow vehicles if they're just in the way and we just need to move them. That's fine. We onboard that. But like, it's also important that people are know that like there was a decision that was made and we are enforcing it. Um, and that looks like a ticket. It takes the form of a ticket. It's not much different than tickets work now, which is someone's walking around sees that there's a violation, leaves some sort of, you know, infraction warning that, hey, we came to a decision and we have said you can't, cannot do this. So please, you know, do not do this in the future. If you do, we will, you know, send you to a class or we will do, do something or other. Especially so, realize you sign up for marriage counseling. Um, yeah. No, that's not how things operate now at all. It's like if you do have a parking ticket, then you won't be able to, or about like a violation, then you won't be able to get housing. I said in the future. Yeah, but my point is that this entire debate is not about parking tickets at all. It is about what is the definition of a ticket. It's totally semantics because we all agree that parking tickets under capitalism are fucked and that we should have clear bus lanes. Like everybody agrees on that. So really, the issue here is not parking tickets. It's a it's the semantics of like what is a ticket and would it mean the same thing under capitalism that it would under socialism, et cetera. That's what's up for debate here is the appointed tiebreaker. Yeah, yeah, that's the problem with this one. And it's also, like I said, which Preston illustrated well um, in his response, uh, is that it's what time frame we're looking at. Because as I said, like Gabe and I were talking about how they exist now, and Preston and uh, Jacob were talking about uh, some future possibility for what how we would deal with parking uh, violations in the future. Yeah, critical what? support means you would support some part of it or some iteration of it. So I feel like if you say you have critical support but only under socialism, then that's fair. Yeah, the, the, mm. the, the okay, so the issue of time of like when we're talking about it is not independent from the arguments we are making. Me, me and Preston are arguing that the essence of the parking ticket, the essence of traffic enforcement, uh, would persist under socialism and should be critically supported on that basis. That is taking into account the whole thing being bad now. So it, it's not just this arbitrary, like, where, you know, by saying no critical support on the basis of how bad it is now, recognizing that this is a thing that would exist in the future, that's just being closed-minded. But you only recognize that as a thing that is existing in the future if you view a ticket with the definition that you do. That's what I'm trying to say. Well, yeah. On some level, the, you're correct in saying it's not about, the debate isn't about parking tickets. The debate is ultimately about traffic enforcement. Should traffic laws be enforced? I mean, Whoa. What, also, what, is, what the fuck does enforcement mean? Like, does it mean somebody standing in the intersection telling you where to go? Or does it mean getting a bill in the mail that you'll then owe the government? It can mean various different things. But it's our right. argument is that it should be open. Like it, there are enforcement mechanisms under socialism that do not Im- systematically impoverish working class or minority folks. Yeah, I just think if someone parks wrong, you should be allowed to steal their tires and 
<laughs> windows. Did you guys hear something? It sounded like just the word postmodernist. Like, <laughs> boo, boo. <laughs> so we did hit the 12 minute point a little bit ago. <laughs> a little bit ago. <laughs> I believe it was while Preston was talking. So um, that'll give you an indication of how long we've been talking about this. Oh, one. geez. Oh, okay. So, yeah, where, where are we falling? I cannot, never in good conscience, say the phrase, I critically support, and then followed by parking tickets. I just cannot, yeah, same. I, I cannot I, stomach saying that. I still, uh, I still am of the conviction that uh, to do so inherently brands you as a cop. And I'm saying as a traffic and as a transportation engineer, we, we need traffic enforcement. Like the, we just need to be able to enforce what we decide. And yeah, it's, we're not what we saying. decide is crap now, but what, what, okay. I'm voting how I'm voting. Okay. Do not this violate is a- the sanctity of my vote. <laughs> I'm voting. Yes. Yeah. Honestly, I mean, I'm not going to break this tie because. Oh, <laughs> So what is that? Debate the definition of ticket or enforcement, and I'll tie break it. But you really aren't debating park- parking tickets. Well, then pick pick whichever part of the debate you find the most compelling or the most. Well, I'm not a cop. <laughs> Sorry, what was that? What? I'm not a cop, so. Yes. <laughs> no. Boo! <laughs> <Yay>! <laughs> so wait, wait. So Such you're a so. Ready you on here? Oh my god. <laughs> So, yeah, she voted with you last time. Yeah, one for three. Or one well, with four. me. Oh, but who's counting? Jeez. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> hey, I'm just glad that we are officially an ACAB podcast. <laughs> hold on, hold on. I just want to get one clarification. So for parking tickets, it's a no, which that's fine. I can swallow and accept. But for traffic enforcement, was it... Were you more open to that? Well, we never debated that like a. Yeah. Oh my God! <laughs> no, no, no. We didn't move on. Is, we didn't we move on. Enough. This is we over. Talked enough about this. This has been voted on. Radically exclude this conversation. <laughs> okay, I said we should tow cars that are in the bus lane. That counts as traffic enforcement. So your answer is already there. Okay. All right. I'll take I'll take a split decision. That's fine. That's I'm not okay a split that. decision. Her official <laughs> vote. It's was true. against cops. So but, she picked her side. But this debate was not about parking tickets. And I will say that as long as it takes. And Preston, we know you're in numb tots, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I will die on this postmodernist hill. Well, thank you, Kira, for coming on our show, even if you're a crazy traffic anarchist. Um, and Wow. Oh, okay. Wow. You're taking the final word on that. Fine. Well, you all can say for more final words. I mean, I don't know if there are any parting thoughts on our podcast. To echo your sentiment, Preston, um, I would like to say thank you for inviting me, even if you're a cop. Oh. (laughs) Damn. Anyway, so we we hope that for you, the listeners, this this episode has resolved some of your uh, lingering insecurities about the correctness of your positions. Um, I know that we have previously not presented the most unified or uh, decisive positions here. And um, yeah, we hope um, that this resolves that even if three out of four of them are wrong. Oh, no, 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 no. (laughs) We have voted as a podcast. It is. Yeah. 
Yeah. Thou shalt we have adjust arrived. thine views accordingly. Did everybody else count? Did everybody else count, or is that just you? I, fr- I, I, I... Okay, wait, what were the topics? Okay, so anarcho-primitivists, you voted against, yeah. right? Right. Uh, scientific socialism, you voted for. Right. Uh, white people with dreads, you voted against. Oh, true. And then parking tickets. Yeah. 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 So I got, yeah. So both me and Jacob, <laughs> you voted once uh, in our favor. Yeah, I guess I got a couple of, of, of yays on that one. I, I, uh, I actually literally was not counting, and apparently Gabe literally cannot count. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this just fits into my postmodern ideology. <laughs> Anyhow, well, thanks for coming by. You guys remember that um, that that uh, anti measurement uh, Twitter take from like a year ago? What? Was oh, anti measurement. Like, I, I agree with that. Whatever, yeah, so whatever, whatever, however stupid it was. Like a capitalist thing. It was hilarious. <laughs> I remember that. I, I'm gonna find this right now. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm gonna stop the recording. <laughs> okay. That's probably for the best.